Good morning, everybody. Perek Tet, chapter 9 of Yeshayahu. This is a chapter which contains what appear to be two very distinct Nevu'ot, two very separate prophecies. The first one, which goes from the beginning of the chapter up to and including verse 6, is a joyous celebratory prophecy, which we will come to, which we will focus on. The second one from Pasuk Zayin, verse 7, until the end of the chapter is certainly in a vuah of tochecha, of rebuke, aimed primarily at the northern kingdom of Ephraim and Manasseh, in which, of course, Yeshayahu is for the most part not residing in. It's interesting, just that basic point, that one chapter, and of course the chapter divisions are not original to the Tanakh, they are much later and they are not Jewish in origin, but it's wonderful to see how two such distinct themes of the Navi, the Navi as the one who rebukes and the Navi as one who comforts, can be contained within a single chapter. And although it is common to say that the first 40 chapters are the chapters of Tochecha, of rebuke, and from chapter 40 onwards are the chapters of Nechama, of comfort, actually, as we are seeing on closer inspection, these two themes, these two focuses of the Navi are actually intertwined with one another. I want to take just one pasuk from each of the sections, early on in the sections, in order to really think through their significance and to then put them back together. The first pasuk of the chapter reads as follows. Ha'am ha'holchim b'choshech ra'u o gadol. I will read the translation of Robert Alta. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Those dwelling in the land of death's shadow, light has beamed on them. You'll notice, I hope, in both the Hebrew and the English, that there is a rhythm, there is a beat, that the psukim are made up of stitches of equally balanced sides. In fact, each ver- the verse has got uh, four parts to it, two plus two. This is what is called in, the t- in biblical studies normally parallelism, where one side of the verse balances out the other side of the verse. But the normal way in which that works is the second half repeats the first half, or at least takes it further in a similar way. It is good to praise God, to give his uh, gratitude in the daytime to faith in the nighttime, they balance each other. But as Robert Alter notes in his commentary on this verse, this is what he says one of the most arresting instances of antithetical parallelism in biblical poetry, such that the different sides of the verse are actually contrasting with each other. Once again, Ha'am ha'holchim b'choshech 
the people who walked in darkness, Ra'u or Gadol, have seen a great light. Yoshvei Ba'aret Salmavet, those who dwell in the land of the shadow, of the, in the valley of the shadow of death, or Naga Alehem, a great light has beamed upon them. Just listening to the imagery and the beauty of the words is enough to give you the sense of what the Nubu'ah is as a whole, that a salvation has come. It seems to be from details slightly later on that this is still continuing within the reign of Ahaz, caught within the great conflict of the northern kingdom teaming up with Aram against the enormous Assyrian superpower, Ahaz being caught between them, Yeshayahu advocating neutrality, which is not listened to. Why is this section ending with a great sense of joy and of uh, survival and, uh, and of salvation? That is a great question. The Dat Mikra commentary goes back and forth explaining how this is both a vision of the messianic period we are told of this journey from darkness to light of the king who is born melech hamoshiach but also and this is explicitly in response to non-jewish to christian views of this chapter which have interpreted it as directly relating to the christian view of the messianic age also, the insistence that it is Yeshayahu speaking in context about the king who will come after Ahaz, and that will be Chizkiyahu. Chizkiyahu, a great king who is in some ways the greatest uh, model of a king that there has been in the Tanakh from, Yishayahu, from the time of David until his own time. Just to conclude with one verse from, as I mentioned at the start, the second half of the chapter, which is aimed primarily at the northern kingdom, at their arrogance, and then at the descent into civil war, concluding with the terrible uh, sense of the civil war that will engulf Israel. We read as follows towards the end, Menashe, well, Vayigzor al Yamin. The flesh of their fellow man they eat. Pasuk Kaf, verse 20. Menashe et Ephraim, Ephraim et Menashe. Menashe devours Ephraim, Ephraim devours Menashe. Yachtav Hema al Yehuda, together they devour Yehuda. Bechol zot, nevertheless, loshav apo, baod. But God's wrath has not turned back. His arm is still outstretched. Earlier on in that section, there was the arresting image of the houses of the northern kingdom collapsing. Levenim naflu v'gazit nivneh. Bricks are falling. Hewn stone, which has been built, are being falling apart and there is an idea that this is Yeshayahu referencing back all the way to one of the earliest of the Bible stories last week's parasha the Tower of Babel in which the collapse of human structures built through brick is seen as the symbol of the overweening arrogance or aspirations of humanity in general in the story of Migdal Bavel and in Yeshayahu's rendering of the northern kingdom 
itself. It's hard to follow this. It's not easy to understand all the words. There are multiple words in our chapter which only appear in this chapter and nowhere else in the Bible. It's hard to always understand it in context. But even just a cursory reading of it should give one a sense of the two sides of the prophet, of the nechama, of the consolation and of the great sense of opportunity and the bright future at the same time as the biting critique of the present. Wishing everybody a wonderful day.